All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Rebecca from Fitness Fanatic Mom. I'm here hosting the Postpartum Support Summit podcast. We have a special roundtable interview series today, and we are going to talk about sex after baby. And this was a really important topic I found for me to chat about because working with my fitness clients, it was kind of a thing that almost seemed taboo still to talk about, but I think it's super important and such a great conversation for us to have. I'm going to introduce each one of our, well, I'm going to hand it over and let them introduce themselves. And I'm going to let you guys tell us about who you are, what you do, where you're from, and all the ins and outs. Carrie, do you want to go first? I would love to go first. Hello, everyone, and hello, uh, my fellow panel members. I'm super excited to do this. Um, I love talking about everything um, sex. So when it comes to sex after baby, this is a hot topic in my world. I am a pelvic physiotherapist. I am the clinic owner of a body in motion rehab. I am a podcaster. I am an entrepreneur, and I am passionate about intercourse after baby. So I'm super excited to be here <laughs> to answer some questions. Um, um, and I am in Kitchener, Waterloo. So I have, I'm a, I own two clinics, one of which is located in Kitchener, the other in Waterloo. Um, and I am just pumped to talk today. Yay. Erin, you're up next. Hi, everyone. My name is Erin. I am a holistic reproductive practitioner. So a lot of people might not know what that means, but I use energy work. So principally Reiki and reflexology, as well as educational tools to help my clients at any stage of their reproductive health journey, whether that's, uh, you know, just beginning to get their cycles or helping them to conceive, be comfortable through pregnancy. And of course, postpartum is a super, super important piece of that puzzle. Um, I am a Reiki master teacher reflexologist, doula, and prenatal education um, supporter. So I am also very passionate about all things reproductive health and just getting people comfortable in their own bodies. So I'm super looking forward to this today. Amazing. And Erin, where are you located? Oh, yes. And I am in St. Mary's. Thank you. Dina, you're up next. Hi, everyone. My name is Gina Gersh. I am a certified pediatric sleep coach and the founder of Lullaby Gina Sleep Consulting. I'm in Toronto and I have um, four boys of my own. I know you also have four over there, <laughs> Rebecca. Um, and uh, I have I, my oldest is, uh, is 10 and a half. I have twin um, twins in the middle and I have a two and a half year old. So very busy and I totally understand my clients working with very tired parents um, to help them through their sleep struggles, um, supporting them, motivating them, advising them, educating them the whole way through in order to get their children sleeping well. I meet parents where they're at in terms of their comfort level, their lifestyle, the needs of their child, all while putting together a, a plan that works right for them, that meets the needs of their child in order to get them sleeping well in the end. Um, so this is a huge topic that um, I'm very excited to talk about because I'm always talking with tired parents and it's not something that they are thinking of right off, right out of the gate. So they're trying to get their children sleeping well and they really want to connect with their partners. So um, I can totally appreciate that. I'm excited to dive in. Amazing. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. I, like Carrie, I'm so excited to be here with all of you. 
Um, my name is Kelly McDonald Arnold. I'm a registered psychotherapist and registered social worker, and I am a sex and relationship therapist. And I specialize um, more so in desire discrepancy. So when part in relationships, when one partner desires sex more or less than their other partner or different types of sex. Um, so yeah, I, I love talking about all things sex and relationships. And I help a lot of partners navigate big life transitions and how that impacts their relationship dynamics, intimacy, and sex lives. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And I am located in Kitchener-Waterloo, pretty close to Cary. And I am the owner and clinical director of Bliss Counseling and Psychotherapy. It's a sex positive practice where we do specialize in sex and relationships. Amazing. I'm so excited to have you guys all here. This has actually been something I've kind of been like conceiving for a while. I'm so excited that's finally like coming to fruition and we're here and we're doing this and we're going to chat. So we're going to dive right in. When is it really safe? are okay to resume sexual intercourse after having a baby. This is like a big hot topic because so many people are like, oh, you six weeks and you're good to go. And, you know, let's dive in. Who wants to go first? I vote Carrie. I was just going to say, right? I'll go first. <laughs> I, felt, Carrie, I, I, I felt like that was my calling there when you said that. So <laughs> your face um, said it all. Yeah. Six weeks. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we hear it all the time as a pelvic physiotherapist, I have many clients that come into my office and, you know, I've seen my OB and at six weeks I'm, I'm ready to go. And it's like, are you, are you ready to go at six weeks? I mean, you think of the physiological trauma that the body goes through during childbirth. And this is not just a vaginal birth, if, you know, C-sections, um, the, the body undergoes significant trauma and it's an awesome trauma. It's a wonderful trauma in the sense that the end result is fantastic. But would we really send someone who just had a total knee replacement back to full life at six weeks? Probably not. Right. And so we've, we've built up this, this six week thing, which is nowhere near what I would ever say to any of my clients that at six weeks, you know, you're ready to go. When are you ready to go? When are you, you know, and, and physically that can be so many different things. Like it really depends on what, what is the state of your body after that physiological trauma. And, um, you know, we know so many different things can happen to the body with birth. And I just think saying, putting a number on it is really difficult. I mean, you, you're, I I will always say to my clients, and that's what they say, am I safe to go back or am I, you know, able to go back to intercourse? I don't know. Are you, are you able to go back to intercourse? How do you feel? You know, do you feel like you want to go back to intercourse from a physical perspective is where I come in, in the sense that, you know, I will look at your tissue and I will let you know what the tissue looks like. And we will talk about the pain that's associated if there is any. I mean, I have women that are having intercourse two weeks after they give birth. I'm telling you, those people are my heroes, but they are doing it and they feel fine, you know? So I'm really about you have to make that personal decision as far as safety goes. Um, you know, you're also going to look for, for things that are impacting the damage to that body. Are you the biggest one? Are you having intercourse and it's painful? Well, then you're probably not ready to be having intercourse because intercourse should never be painful. This is something that, and I see, you know, painful intercourse patients often completely unrelated to childbirth, but intercourse should never be painful. And if your intercourse is painful, there's a reason for that. 
So I think that's my best answer is, you know, first of all, there's no timeline. We, you know, we try to put women and um, people who are women who have had babies on a timeline. And it's like, mm, you know, no two people are going to heal exactly the same. So there's, you know, when is it safe to go back? Technically, it's safe to go back when you feel like you feel safe to go back. And safety isn't also about physical, right? I mean, we've got the mental, the emotional, all of the other things that go with feeling safe. So, you know, I can, obviously, I speak a little bit more from a physical perspective, and I know that you will all have other areas to look at, but I feel like it's safe to go back when you feel like it's safe to go back. And in my opinion, I think everyone should should see a pelvic physiotherapist after childbirth because you then you know the status of your of your body at that point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like it's just such a a new thing it seems in in North America like the pelvic physio, you know, therapist and even 5 years ago when I had my youngest it was like a what, you know. So we're so grateful to have you know, you and your team out there to, you know, help be there and help and support all of us through this journey. For sure. For sure. Erin, you're nodding your head a lot. Weigh in on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I will probably do that a lot throughout this. (laughs) No, I agree completely. Like it is very much, you know, how are you feeling? Are you physically feeling ready to have sex? Amazing. Go for it. But if you're also, if you're not physically feeling ready to have sex, that's okay. But exactly what Carrie said, you know, factoring in, how are you mentally? How are you emotionally? And for me, a lot of what I talk to my clients about is, have you talked to your own body? You know, like, don't worry about what your partner is thinking about your body right now. What are you thinking about your body right now? Do you feel that desire? Do you feel like this is something that you're ready to get back to? And, you know, I think taking away that, um, that judgment, you know, of like, if the answer is yes, fantastic. Have fun. <laughs> like You do you. But if it's no, which oftentimes it is because there are so many factors to it, then let's dig a little more deeply into that, you know, like what why is it no? Are you physically in pain? Do you feel emotionally overwhelmed by the thought of it? Because, you know, like Gina said, are you exhausted? (laughs) Probably, you know, where's your head at? That's, I think this is just such a great group because it's like, we really are covering all the bases. (laughs) (laughs) What are you dealing with here? So many things, but yeah, I think it's really important that it's a personal a personal choice. Absolutely. For sure. Might as well go around the table. Gina, do you want to weigh in on that one too? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're all nodding our heads, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Agree. It's like echo, echo. Yeah. Yeah. Just remembering that time. Um, but uh, yeah, you're like, when you talk, we talk about exhaustion, which I talk about all the time um, with the families I work with, but that's, like it, it makes you irritable. You worry, you're anxious, you're stressed. Like all of it, that sleep deprivation depletes you of everything that you can give. And, you know, as soon as that your, your baby is down, you're like, how many hours do I get to sleep? Are they going to wake up in two hours or, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully it's not an hour later and you just want to get that sleep. And so it's just, 
that's all that you're really thinking about come the evening time. And if you have multiple children, I mean, there's no other time than really that time and you need it to, to fuel yourself. So um, all that to say, like, it, there's just a lot emotionally that's going on. And I think that if you're not ready there, and if like, again, if your child is, is keeping you up all night, I mean, when are you going to sleep? So you're kind of like, um, this becomes a priority at this point, I'm sorry. And, you know, once you get that figured out, I mean, you'll ease your way into it. But I find that to be um, a huge, a huge thing. And I see like, also, you know, um, I, I, I wrote a blog post about this recently about like anxiety around your child's sleep and just that buildup. Once you get to the evening, you're so wound up about it and you're so stressed and you, like, you haven't even had a second to yourself, let alone even be able to sleep that it just kind of falls lower on the priority list. I find, um, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great segue for me, Tina, is that, I always try to reassure partners that your sex life will ebb and flow throughout your, your lifetime together. You know, sometimes there's going to be really hot and heavy seasons and sometimes there are going to be not so hot and heavy seasons. And transitioning into parenthood is a huge transition for all the reasons you ladies have said in terms of physical, emotional, relational, um, your identity, uh, your body, even your relationship with yourself, um, with your peers, with your partner. Um, I know for um, when I do see people come in who are struggling with the transition, it's it's the all the changes that you weren't prepared for. So even feeling touched out. So all of a sudden the baby's down. It's like, I don't want to be touched by anyone all of a sudden. Um, that's a big that's a big piece of it, too. And you even alluded to, um, uh, Gina, that uh, the sleep deprivation and causing all the anxiety and then having a partner who's like, well, I just miss being close to you. And so then it feels like maybe it's more about like penis, vagina sex, but really it's maybe about some intimacy. So how can you get creative in maintaining that intimacy that doesn't feel overwhelming or anxiety inducing? Um, I'm a huge advocate for pelvic floor physiotherapy too. So just reestablishing that relationship with your body. But I would echo what everyone is saying here. It's a really such a personal choice and such a personal decision. So really knowing when you feel ready and if you don't feel ready, giving yourself permission that that's okay, um, but don't ignore the conversation about it, um, just so it is open and being discussed versus it being avoided and maybe um, becoming a relational uh, challenge. Um, and sometimes it can even be saying, you know, I, I, your partner, the partner of the person who just gave birth, like, I just miss you, right? And so there's just like that piece of it too that plays into it. Um, but if you are wanting to get back into it, but you just feel like I don't even know where to start. Like that's, that's a great, that's a great opportunity to be like, let's just take it slow. Maybe it's just like, we start with cuddling for five minutes. Like you can go as slow or as fast as what feels comfortable for you. But the avoidance piece um, in terms of even just the dialogue around it, I find can be the bigger challenge. And then the last thing I'll say about it is if you can navigate um, intimacy and sex during pregnancy, when maybe you're not feeling good, your body is already going through the changes, maybe your sleep's disrupted, disrupted already. If you can, navigate that and talk it through as it's happening it can be easier to navigate it when babies arrived as well um gina were you going to say something your hand was up there i'm, I'm sorry i'm not trying to interrupt anybody but oh I, no I no mean, this is a dialogue but i, I love what you said because it's like um we consider ourselves and we want to make sure that we're in the right place and right frame of mind but it's true we have to also understand where 
our partners are coming from, like that is their love language is maybe that connection or that intimacy. And so they're not, maybe we're, maybe we're not ready and we're not going to do anything that we're not ready for, but it's, it's, it's good to just think about that. They're not coming from necessarily a bad place. They're, they're coming or not a negative place or they're coming, you know, or like, let's, can, can we go to bed now? You know, like, let's, let's, you know, sorry, I just want to connect with you. I, I, like, I, are you ready? And just having that conversation in that sort of context, I think, um, is like helpful and in, in reframing it um because you know when you're, you're exhausted you might like lash out like why are you asking me this right now but um <laughs> it could be coming from that sort of place and it's just nice i'm like um i agree with you and then i just uh, wanted to say i echo that and makes a lot of sense it's helpful i think i think too one of the things that is um important to remember is that stress directly impacts your pelvic floor. So if you are in a stressful situation, which, you know, giving birth and raising a family is very stressful, the body also feels that stress. And I mean, there's been studies done in in the pelvic physio world where there's a direct correlation between stress and the pelvic floor. So if you're already spinning in a world of stress, um, you know, and your pelvic floor is just responding to that, then that is going to create that cycle of, you know, intercourse will be painful, which will then, you know, be fed by my stress, which will then not make me want to have intercourse because then when I do, it will be painful. And we just start spinning in this web of, you know, trying to navigate this and, and navigate this new body that, that, that you now have. And, you know, I have so many clients say, I just want my old body back. And, you know, I will often say like old body's gone and, and that's okay because new body can be way better than old body ever was. Um, you know, you're doing the right things. You're in the right place. You're taking care of yourself and, you know, just trying to navigate that body change, which is really hard for a lot of people after they give birth. Um, but it's not only, you know, what you see in your body, it's what your, how your body is responding to that new life. And I think sometimes that's hard for, for people to navigate. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually kind of segues into our next topic of conversation talking to you to your partner about sex and your vagina because it's just a whole new world down there so <laughs> let's throw that one out on the table being a mama of four myself I've gone through multiple vaginal births and it's just like is it ever going to go back especially after the first one it's, it's kind of scary when you look down there at the first um, if you've had stitches or even worse um, you know, it can just be like a whole new world. So let's throw that one out on the table and see what we can come up with about this one. <laughs> I'll jump on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's it can be a really intimidating conversation to have. But again, I think remembering to go back to exactly what Carrie was saying too. Like, yeah, your old body's gone, but that's okay because this new body grew and birthed a human that's big (laughs) that's amazing so really like shifting that mindset to honoring how incredible that is and how strong you are and you know it it takes some time of course but having again like what kelly was touching on as well you know like don't let it become an issue keep that conversation open as much as you can because that's huge 
you know, and being very open with your partner and saying like, again, if you can be talking throughout pregnancy and saying like, oh, this is so strange, like my belly is so big, my boobs are big, like my whole body looks different. Yeah. Because you have a person growing inside of you. It's supposed to look different. But allowing your partner to jump in in those moments and praise your body and you, you know, which I hope that they would because they absolutely should. (laughs) And, And the postpartum body deserves just as much praise because it has gone through a lot. And something that I bring up a lot with my clients is that your vagina is amazing. Like it really is. This is what it's designed to do. You know, it stretches and creates space for a penis. It stretches and creates space for a baby. It'll bounce back. It's okay. (laughs) You know, it's not going to stay that way forever. But again, just honoring that and giving that time and saying like, okay, how can I reconnect with myself and how can I connect with my body which can be challenging again when you don't have a lot of time but even just finding you know a few minutes a day to just check in with yourself and working with professionals to like from the physical side of things be like no you're okay you're good this is all right (laughs) or if troubles are there then catching them you know so they don't become an even bigger problem I always with, with clients, I'm always like, your vagina looks awesome. You know, and people are always like, the first person who's ever told me that my vagina looks awesome. I'm like, this is awesome. You know? And, and I know for some people, it's kind of like, did she just say my vagina is awesome? And, but it's just giving that, that reassurance that as, as you mentioned, Darren, like, this is what our, the body is meant to do. And I have so many patients that come in and they're like, it's all stretched out. It's wide open. I will tell you the majority of women I see postpartum actually have the opposite problem. Their pelvic floor is very tight. And to them, they think, you know, it's this big cavernous whole. And, um, it is never, it is very rarely that I, I, I can say with conviction, it's never that it is, it's, that's not usually the issue that we have at hand, but amazing how many women have never actually looked at there. And we should talk vulva opposed to vagina because vagina is the muscular tube that extends from the vulva to the uterus. So when we're talking externally, which is where most women are cognizant of the change, um, referring more to vulva in that area. So, yeah. And just to add in, Carrie, um, I just on the, the topic of pelvic floor that I, um, I have four also, like I said, and I hadn't gone to a pelvic floor therapist until my last one that people had told me to do, to go. And it was like, it changed my whole perspective. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. It really did. Like I, I, I learned all the things that you started saying, like, this is what this looks like. This is what's actually going on there. And so I really did come home and like explain it to my husband, you know? So it's just like, by the way, you know, like I felt more educated and I'm like, you know, by the way, this is what's happening. So we both are in the know, but um, so it really does help to understand what's going on. And in terms of making that, uh, having that conversation with, with your partner and letting them sort of know where you're at. I mean, so many pieces have to fall into place, like emotionally, physically, you know, like that stuff can be in place. And then it's like when I, just in my art department, when I'm dealing with um, parents who aren't sleeping at all, it's like 
then there's all of that. And I mean, when is the time? To- when are you even doing this? And when's the time? And it feels like if you have a window of an hour, is that is that the time? You know, so I think it's just, um, again, having that conversation, but really just delegating sort of tasks of things that need to happen. This is what needs to go on. Really just letting your partner know everything that you're managing all at one time. And even they they can't sometimes see it and they don't know. Right. So everything that's going on to say, like, I'll be ready at this point or I need to feel settled. I need to feel a little bit rested so that I can actually enjoy myself. Like, that's not fun otherwise. Right. So, like, can we just sort of tackle all of these things at once or maybe making a time that makes sense and and sort of, um, you know, connecting at that point? I know evening is obviously sort of the time, but um just making sure that like all the grounds are covered and all, everything that sort of all those pieces fall into place and having that conversation together, just bringing each other in the middle. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and just echo what everyone else is saying as well, is that it really is about you establishing that relationship with your new body, your changing body and whatever is going to work for you um, in order to do that. So if you are feeling comfortable seeking out a public floor physiotherapist and talking it through and informing yourself and educating yourself and empowering yourself, um, but then again, keeping the dialogue going with your partner as well. And then another thing that comes up for me sometimes is that if you're feeling so uncomfortable about it, like approaching it together, because things could feel differently now as well. So it is an opportunity to explore your sexuality today for the first time which gets kind of nerve-wracking but also a little bit exciting like what's going to feel maybe even better now um what could feel a little bit like oh i used to like that i'm not into that anymore so it really creates an opportunity to create a new sex life um at this stage in your life and even to what you were touching on gina is energy level so yeah before maybe before bed was the time but now we need to figure out when you have the most energy um, where it doesn't feel like that's the last thing I want to do when all I want to do is sleep. Um, so it's having those those conversations, but then also um, embracing your body for how it is now and what, what you need to do to set yourself up for success and talking about it with friends, get naked with friends. Like just how can you just embrace and accept your body today? And then also having that conversation together and approaching it together um, and praising your body and all the changes that it just went through to create this life um, that you you did it together. And so then it's just approaching it slowly. Um, and again, with no pain, if there's pain, like please call a medical professional, uh, preferably a telephone physiotherapist. Um, but then, um, yeah. So I just think it's more about like really going slow with the change, but checking in with yourself, as you said, Aaron, too, like daily, even if just a couple minutes. And I love that you even said, Carrie, to look at your vulva, like get to know your vulva, touch yourself, explore yourself. Um, it can help you and set yourself up for success to then explore yourself in the presence with your partner. So actually, you guys are so good at my segues here, like leading into the next topic are what if it hurts? What if there's pain? What if you're like, the anxiousness and you know that that tension that you're just like oh my god it's gonna hurt because everyone always says oh it hurts it hurts you know after resuming you know the first or second time after having babies so what what do we do now where do we go with this how do we deal with you know discomfort well i'll look it at you carrie 
I assumed. <laughs> yeah. So I would be like, uh, I would say, please go slow, manage like penetration, and then please meet with public service your therapist, passing over right. to you, Carrie. Yeah. 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 I mean, as we stated it, so a couple of things just on that note. So, um, you know, people just with what you said, Rebecca, you know, everyone says it's going to hurt. It doesn't always hurt. Just so you know, there are people who resume intercourse and it's not painful. Um, you know, if, but it shouldn't hurt. And I think that's the biggest thing that I want to stress in this podcast is that if it is hurting, something is not right. And there needs to be, you know, something needs to be addressed, whether that be the physicality of what's gone on. So, you know, do you have healing wounds? They are wounds. Like if you've had a tear, an episiotomy, you know, this is, it's a wound. It needs to heal and it goes through the stages of healing, just like every other part of our body. So, you know, those things are going to, um, possibly deter you from that. Um, you, there are so many ways to do, to deal with the pain that is associated with intercourse. And again, this does not just have to be post-baby intercourse. I mean, we're there and that's what we're talking about, but many, many vagina owners, owners, struggle with painful intercourse. And if it is, um, you know, in response to what are the muscles doing? Um, what, again, what is the level of anxiety that is directly impacting that, that tightness in the pelvic floor? Um, I mean, I work very closely with Kelly and I see clients who, you know, the physical part is not the problem. It is significantly more about, um, you know, what I'm feeling externally, which we've all talked about the exhaustion, the, you know, is there pressure? Is your partner pressuring you to do this? You know, we all hope that that's not the case, but it does happen. And I have clients who come in and they're like, I just, I'm just not ready to do this. Um, you know, and by way of like with, with my treatment techniques, if we dive into the physical side of things, there are ways to manage, um, painful intercourse and whether that be, you know, uh, self-stretching, whether it be the use of tools like graduated dilators, um, you know, whether we're doing perineal massage to these scars that are healing and biggest part of the body in healing when, when scar tissue is laid down, you don't have that same flexibility that you have in our original tissue. So a scar will typically, you know, the, the fibers head in all directions. So you don't have that nice flexibility, that nice open response that was there before, but that doesn't mean it's never going to be there again. I mean, we have techniques that, that we use to, to work with, um, these issues. And, you know, the, the, one of the, one of my most favorite things to treat is painful intercourse, whether it be, um, postpartum or just in general, because the end result is pain-free intercourse. And I mean, what's better than that, right? I mean, this is, this is a fantastic life-changing thing for people. So, um, but I don't, it's not, I don't want people to just go, okay, well, this hurts. It must hurt because I've had a baby. Okay. Well, I guess I'm just going to live with that. And a lot of women do, and that is not normal, but it is a hella common. Like, I mean, tons of people deal with this afterwards, but we just assume that it's normal and it's not normal to say, well, I've had a baby. I guess that's why pain, that's why intercourse is painful. So I think really understanding that and getting the word out there that this is not normal is, is one of the most important things. And then carrying on over into like, I refer clients to Kelly and her um, colleagues all the time because of the other things that are involved. It's, it's typically not just a physical thing. Yeah. 
you know, and I'll um, touch, I'll just piggyback on what you're saying, Carrie, though. It's like if pain keeps perpetuating itself as well, what, how, how's that going to impact your desire long-term? Because if it's long standing pain, eventually there's going to be an avoidance turn into more vaginismus where you're clenching up. But Carrie, Carrie works with that a lot. I refer a ton to Carrie for the other side of the spectrum. I'm like, this is more than just you know, what's going on psychologically or emotionally. Um, however, if it, it sort of goes hand in hand, if you're withstanding pain, then that's going to impact your desire for sex and your pleasure associated with sex and your interest in sex and your passion towards sex, which is, could impact your relationship as well, right? So it really is making sure that sex is a fun or pleasurable experience in order to have a thriving sex life. And so if it's painful, please, please, please stop and then go slow and start to address it step by step. So then you, you and your partner can have you know, that fun, thriving sex life that it's more about pleasure than anything. And there's so many different types of sex too that I think people leave off the table. If uh, penetrative sex is what's causing pain, but you still have a desire to climax, maybe it's more around clitoral stimulation. Um, and so there's, or different positions and all that sort of stuff, or even doing some of these stretching exercises and using the graduated dilators with your partner. I know sometimes when I, I refer um, to body emotion, that so often they're like, bring your partner in here. And, you know, it can become this relational healing experience. And there's so much vulnerability and intimacy and building trust in that, that, you know, can just set your sex life up for further success. Yeah, I would definitely agree with all that and say, like, it's so important to look at as a holistic practitioner, you know, we look at the whole body, like what's going on mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, you know, did you have a traumatic birth experience? Maybe that's factoring in, you know, maybe that's something that needs to be addressed because I wouldn't want to have sex after that either. You know, like it can be traumatizing to the tissues, of course, but also mentally, and emotionally. And so just having an awareness around that of like, okay, have I really processed what happened there? Even if you had a really great empowering birth experience, looking at it from all angles of like, oh, well, I I didn't tear. I, I shouldn't be in any pain. Okay. But are you exhausted? <laughs> you know, are you stressed out? Probably. And of course, that's going to have an impact. So even just being open to having those conversations with your partner or joining a postpartum group, you know, where other people are experiencing the same things. So you can have those conversations and say like, oh, okay, this isn't just happening to me, <laughs> but taking the time to get yourself in for those appointments, you know, whether it's for pelvic physio or counseling or energy work, something to care for whatever that piece is that is being affected, which can be challenging, but it's a great opportunity to ask for help. <laughs> so that's what I would say. I think about when you said to Erin about like, have you had time to process? Like, have you had time to process? Like you're a new mom, you have, nobody has time to process, right? So you're being thrown into this, this world of where you just checked out, 
like you are no longer the most important person here anymore. And you are trying to give to everybody. So you're already trying to give to this new life. And then you have this person who also wants something from you, which is awesome. I mean, but at the same time, it's like, there's only so much of you to give. And I think a lot of uh, my clients come in and they're feeling so guilty and they're feeling, you know, there's so many other things involved outside of just this, this physical. And again, the, the desire and the, you know, all of those things, they're just not there. You know, it's, you know, you would, I mean, I know you all know this. I hear often like, Carrie, that's the last thing on my mind right now. I get it. I get it. I've been there and I get it. And that's okay. Um, but I think one of the most important things is to, I, I really loved what everyone said about engaging your partner in the conversation, because then he also has an understanding of what to expect. And I think the pre, you know, while you're pregnant, that conversation is really, really important. I would take it so far back as to make it part of the conversation when you're talking about having a family. This is going to happen and, you know, set up your village at that point, which I think all of us have a role in, in that village and, um, you know, set up your village at that point and start that conversation then. And then everything doesn't seem so daunting after because you've been there and it's very easy to say, do you remember when we talked about blah, blah, blah and, uh, oh, right. Okay. Okay. You know, and it just, it kind of opens opens the door for our conversation. That's not so new when everything else is so new. Yeah. And, it, and I, what you're saying too, like, just makes me think of like, you have so many demands, like you, your child is demanding of you all the, all the time, like constantly, like 24 seven. And so you're, that's your main priority. That's what you're thinking of all the time. And it's not necessarily that sex is like the last thing on your mind. I mean, maybe it is at that point, but eventually you have to consider it with your partner at some point, especially when they're going to be bringing it up. But like you have a huge responsibility now every second. And when it comes to sleep, I mean, a newborn wakes up every two to three hours throughout the night, like very, very little. And doesn't sleep, like they don't start sleeping through the night until about like, three months plus. So I don't start working in terms of like the sleep training and that sort of thing. I don't start working with clients until their babies are four months plus. So, you know, we have to also remind ourselves that to, to give ourselves grace, it takes time. It's okay that there's time and it's okay. Like we, in this moment, our baby is our number one priority all the time. And our, well, our family and our husband and, and, you know, like, partner is important to us to have that conversation where like I am busy with this baby literally every second of the day can we find a minute to talk about this this could be the time like just opening up that conversation like we were saying but you there's huge demands when you have a newborn baby it's just how it is so we have to just understand that it's not it's just temporary too you know for sure so next, you guys are really good at the segues. Come on, like you guys are just awesome. So breastfeeding, the effects on your body, your sex drive, and you just want to sleep. So that's our next kind of conversation topic. Um, there's so many different hormonal things going on. Yes, you just want to have a sleep. Your sex drive is like non-existent because you've just had a baby and the hormones are all over the place. What do you guys think about that? I'll jump in from a perspective of um, 
how it can affect like just your body image or even the mom guilt. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's uh, breastfeeding is I think hard. Okay. It's like a more than a full-time job on its own. Um, there can be complications with it, pain with it. Maybe uh, your nipples prior to being pregnant were like a really big turn on, like be stimulated lots. And now they're raw, they're sensitive, they're bleeding, they're squirting milk everywhere. Um, you know, or maybe even like your baby likes to feed on one side more and your boobs are totally lopsided and then you are engaging in sex and all of a sudden your partner might notice at that time that you're actually feeling guilty about the breastfeeding experience. And so that's a total buzzkill because you're just called me out on, he's only feeding on one side or she's feeding on one side. And it could be because of it's just, a it's a lot to even piggyback on what you're saying, Gina. It's just, it's hard. It's all consuming and it's the forefront of everything. So um in terms of like taking care of your breasts and again, just like with your vulva, getting to know your breasts and, and, and talking about it um, and nurturing yourself through that. And then if it becomes awkward within sex in any way, like if you can try to laugh about it and go easy on yourself, um, embrace some of the changes, even though some of them can be really painful and hard. Um, and just, yeah, it's just try to practice a ton of self-compassion and go at your own pace really is what I want to like start off by saying, but it's a lot. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're saying. And I know I, I just said this too, but like that, just reminding you and your partner that these things take time to work through. I mean, you know, like right, yeah, breastfeeding is a full-time job and, but it's not like that forever. And these things are not forever. And, you know, I, I remember like, you know, you put your baby down and you're like, I have um, maybe two hours. I don't know. And you're forcing yourself to go to sleep and you're doing everything that you possibly can to make sure that you get like maybe a two hour stretch. If you're lucky, your baby's going to be up again. Like that's a time where that's going to happen. But like with, unlike adult baby, every children are, are it's like a year in over, over a month's time that they've developed, you know, so much happens from one month to the next. And so reminding ourselves that in a couple of weeks, we might not feel this way. So right now we feel this way. Right now we are touched out. We are beyond exhausted or we're in pain. We just feel not great about our bodies. And so, you know, we're trying to work through all of that. It's a process. And then we'll come out the other side. You know, if that process is okay and we're gentle on ourselves, we'll come out the other side you know, like having a, a new body. This is our new body. This is our new self. And we'll be able to work through that. So I think just like all of this is a massive, massive learning curve and just being open and honest about that and allowing that to happen, um, I think makes the, can make the process easier. My opinion. I always, I always um, refer, refer back to a podcast that I listened to once where they spoke about, um, you know, a mom was in a grocery store and she's got her three kids climbing all over her and it's just a gong show. And, and, you know, a, a nice woman goes by and says, Oh, treasure this. This is the best. These are the best years of your life. And, you know, I giggle because if I see that happening in a grocery store, I'm usually like, it gets better. I know right now that this is a tornado and, and it looks like a tornado and I see your tornado. And usually I, I, you know, will, will, do a pat on the arm and say, this is going to get better. This is just your right now and things are going to get better. And you know what? You are killing it. You are absolutely killing it. And, and, you know, 
encouraging these women to feel some self-compassion because they're standing there in the middle of a grocery store crying. Kids are grabbing, you know, all the sugar cereal that I never let my kids eat. Um, you know, and like all this craziness is going on and people are walking by, oh, these are the best years of your life. It's like, what the F are you talking about? This is like not... No, let's stop telling people that these are the best years of their life. This is hell. This is your living hell tornado right now, but it will stop spinning and then you'll go through and then you'll move into the next stages of hellish tornadoes as they present themselves. But, you know, I, I'm a huge Glennon Doyle fan and I always want to say to people like, you're a goddamn cheetah. You are a goddamn cheetah. You are killing this and you just keep doing what you're doing. And it's okay to feel like your world is crashing because uh, like there are parts of it that probably are right? And it's going to get better. It is going to get better. I just will always say that to my patients. I see you and I hear you and I know how you feel because I've been there twice. And, um, but you are a goddamn cheetah. Yeah. I think that more people need to hear that (laughs) after having babies. (laughs) That should be like the congratulation card. (laughs) Congratulations. You had a baby. You're a goddamn cheetah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you're absolutely right. You know, I remember um, my family doctor, I think it was after I had my second. He's like, yeah, you know, Aaron, the wheels are just going to fall off for the next like five years. Just you've got this. And I was like, what? (laughs) But looking back, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, he was right. You know? I would like to acknowledge whoever that doctor is because I know. he also is a goddamn cheetah because <laughs> nobody know. says that. I know. I was just like, oh, okay. But yeah, looking back now, it's like, oh no, you're absolutely right. Because, and exactly what Gina's saying, it's temporary, you know, and just trying to remind your partner to have the compassion for that, that you're not always going to feel like this but you just birthed a child and that's a lot. And if you're trying to breastfeed or or even if you're not, it's so demanding and just asking for that compassion to say like, listen, I'm not going to be like this forever. Or that really invites the opportunity as well to say, how can your partner take some of that burden off of your shoulders? You know, you want to hop in the sack. Okay do the dishes, do the laundry, feed the baby, change the baby, take the baby for a walk, give me an hour to myself, send me off to an appointment. And, you know, I say these things kind of lightly, but I, but I also don't, you know, that's something that I say to all of my doula partners, you know, not the birthing person. I say that to the partner of like, now's your time to shine. You know, like this is a two person job. And this person had the baby, so they did a lot. Now it's your turn to really step up and help them through that as much as you can. And I don't know if any of you can attest to that as well, but it kind of seems like the partnerships that flow a little more like that, sex does tend to get back on track a little faster, maybe, you know, as long as there's no physical concerns, but from a mental, emotional perspective. So something to consider. <laughs> I really agree, Erin. Like you feel more seen and heard, you know, in that, in that regard. Also, I do want to commend that doctor because I mean, people would pass by me in the grocery store. I had 
like three under three and they'd be like, oh, you're, you're, it looks like your hands are full. I was like, they are, they are, <laughs> they are very full. They are. Right. <laughs> um, so, but I, I, I do, I definitely um, agree with that. And it's like back to sort of love languages and, and feeling that you are, you know, you're going through so much and the person, your partner sees that and understands it and is really recognizing um what needs to be done and just like just really seeing you um can make a huge difference i think mentally um i know kelly you could probably test this too but mentally just you're in a better place around it not feeling that resentment possibly um so yeah well totally because i like from a relational perspective it can either feel like um, guilt, you're not meeting their needs, they, it's another person that wants something from you, or it can come from a place of, wow, they really have my back, they're taking care of me, I want to, they've given me space to feel myself for a second, I want to be close to them, or I maybe have a little bit more capacity to be close to them, right? And it's just about that intimacy piece, not necessarily sex, but just feeling cared for and seeing I'm losing a little audio here. You guys still hear me? Thumbs yeah, up? I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, Kelly, oh, Kelly you. you popped out a little bit. Yeah, oh, I did I? Okay, there. sorry. You kind of put that all good. <laughs> just wanted to make sure you're finished here. <laughs> oh, I called you through and I tried to ignore it. Sorry. I was like, oh. <laughs> no, but just like it, it helps to rebuild that. It helps to build trust, right? And that you are a team in this. And then it's not another thing or another person you have to satisfy, but something you're doing together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think too, from a physical perspective, um, just relating back to the the physical trauma associated, um, the partner hasn't gone through that physical trauma, right? So these invisible tasks that we speak of, like, you know, gr- sending someone to an appointment, doing the laundry, those kinds of things that I always refer to them as invisible tasks, because I think that there's a lot of people that just don't even realize what goes into that partnership and doing those invisible tasks, recognizing that this is a body that's healing, right? So, you know, when you're, you've got baby and you're running laundry up and down the stairs and, you know, in your postpartum bleeding is continuing because you, you know, you are not resting and, I think that's one of the most important things too, is a lack of rest means delayed healing. So you're exhausted. You're not giving yourself time to heal. So the physical part of your body is, you know, just again in, in turmoil because there's no time to rest. You know, if someone went and had, I don't know, like a open heart surgery, we don't get them up for a walk with the dog the next day. Like it just, you know, but we do that with our mamas. And um, I think that that's where, you know, and you wonder where this all comes together with this, maybe not wanting to be intimate. Well, you're exhausted, you're in pain, you're, you're all these things. So I love the idea of, you know, your partner taking on these invisible tasks and giving you time. And that is, I mean, that is, um, you know, that potentially could stimulate that feeling of, intimacy again. And, and the things that I haven't been, you know, I have lots of patients say like my libido's down and, you know, I'm, 
I, I just, I don't really think about this. And I'm like, yeah, because you have a million other things on your mind. So it makes sense. Like what Kelly said, if you, if someone takes those from you and helps you with those, well, then there's more space in your brain to consider going back to those, to those intimate, to the intimate part of your relationship. You know, I'm just going to jump in because I know Carrie just read this book, Come As You Are, um, Emily Nagowski, and she always talks about, and it's just well known in sex therapy that so often people think, okay, to re-engage with sex, we need candles, massage oils, lingerie. But actually, the first thing you need is to understand, those are the accelerators, but the first thing you need to understand are your brakes, because you can push down on the accelerators with the lingerie and all this stuff as much as you want, but your foot is full tilt on the brakes, you're not going anywhere. And a lot of those invisible tasks are the brakes. Like there's just too much that you can't take your foot off those barriers to desire. I legit just got goosebumps that you mentioned that book. <laughs> this is the must I read saw it on your Instagram and I was like, yes. yes. Oh God. That was my second time reading it actually, Kel. Um, it is a fantastic, fantastic book for people in these situations, Rebecca. So if you, um, Obviously, Kelly or I can send you that the details on that book, and it might be something you want to post within the podcast um, kind of, you know, thingamadingy, um, because it is for all of these things that we're talking about. Emily does a great job on really outlining um, this, a lot of a lot of what we're talking about today. I'm thinking seven love languages as well, too, because we've been talking a lot about love languages, but reading that book with your partner just to kind of find your love language so that you can talk to each other um, a little bit on the same playing field. And I find that's a big one for sure as well, too. That was one that came to mind as you guys were talking. But yeah, I definitely... I legit want to hijack a table in chapters every time I'm there and just like whoosh everything <laughs> off and then go find all these books and then yeah. like put them there where they're right in people's faces because they are in the back corner of Indigo, just so everyone knows. Um, yeah. I know because I go there all the time and see what else I can find. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it, like we need people to want to read, which is Kel, one of the reasons why I put it on my Instagram was because you know what, like read this book. And I had so many people message and say, I just ordered this book on Amazon. I'm like, yes, because we want it. We want answers to these questions, but we don't really know where to look for them. And yes, you will get some of them from me and some of them from Aaron and, you know, some from Gina, some from Kelly. And, but are you like, you to really kind of dive in the research um that is available to us. And I and when I say research, I use the term loosely, but these people are all like incredible, incredibly well educated people who are writing these books. And uh they're just being presented in such a um so much more of a comfortable way, I guess is the word. Like I had I was reading the book, Kelly saw my Instagram. I was on I was in Mexico. So I was reading the book when I was in Mexico. So it was like on my chair. And if I took a break for a minute, it was on my chair. And I had so many people go by and be like, what are you reading? And I'm like, oh, sit down here on my chaise lounge. Let's talk, <laughs> you know? And I think the more people like us that are talking about this, I mean, I could endlessly talk about all of these things because I love it so much. Um, and I'm so passionate about it, but the more that we put it out there in things like this, Rebecca, thank you. Um, the more people will start to ask the questions and, you know, it's, it is, it still has such a stigma of being something that we don't really talk about, right? Like you have a baby and and you're sitting there feeling so lonely to begin with. And then you feel like you can't give your partner what your partner's looking for. Like, let's talk about postpartum depression. Like we wonder why people go down that into that 
situation, right? There's so many demands. And so the more we talk about it and the more we educate people, um, you know, the more people that are going to benefit, which is, I think, why we're all here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, another thing that doesn't get talked about enough is lubricants, toys, lingerie, and all things sexy. So I had to throw this one at the end. Kelly actually had a great segue there a few minutes ago about it as well. So that's amazing. You Love guys the segues. Right? You guys are right on point. Right on point. All right. Who wants to go first? I just want to say, please always keep lube next to your bed. Always and forever. <laughs> and right. vibrators are your friends. And remember that lube and moisturizer are not the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, lube for me, I mean, as a as a pelvic health physiotherapist, and you've got that tissue there that is just such magnificently wonderful but fragile tissue, you use lube. And I find a lot of my postpartum women um, feel as though the need to turn to lube is means that something has gone wrong. And they're very much like, oh, you know, I don't want to use lube. I'm, I, I personally think everyone should use lube always. I think lube is such an amazingly wonderful thing. Um, and, you know, this feeling like you're you're not as good as you used to be because you need lube. No, I mean, your body, your hormones are completely out of whack. This is nothing that you can control. So if the, if you're experiencing vaginal dryness, you know, this will add to the pain with intercourse. If you're not, if your tissue is, is feeling like sandpaper is scratching across it. I mean, let's be honest, right? You just had something come out. Now you're having something go in and it's, it's scratching the surface of this tissue that has been through a lot. So yes, use lubes, please. I am like the biggest fan of lubes. And um, I think there's a role for them in everyone's sex lives, to be quite honest. And then just to touch on the vibrators again, we talk about energy levels um, and um, time uh, that you have together and using vibrators like you, you don't have to use penetration for that. It can enhance pleasure if every, if you've done enough healing. And I'm not talking like immediately after having a baby, but once you're ready for um, maybe more intense stimulation uh it can just help with speeding things along they can be a lot of fun um because sometimes people are like i don't have an hour to like get there i don't have this much time to get there and it can just be a really nice pleasurable fun take the pressure off type of added tool and again vibrators cannot replace a human they cannot so please don't be threatened by them whoever is listening to this but like lubricant and vibrators can really help enhance a sexual experience, especially when you're sleep deprived and you don't have a lot of time and energy, um, they're your best friends. They can be really great too, for helping you to rediscover yourself, right? Like that's so important postpartum with your new body and everything's changed. And that's a great opportunity to just kind of say like, okay, what does feel good? Maybe you never were really that into vibrators before. And now maybe they're your best friend. You know, <laughs> Who knows? And I know you had mentioned lingerie as well, but, and again, that's such a fun, again, like when you're ready, that's not something I would be saying, like go out and buy lingerie right away. But like, once you really are feeling more connected to your body and feeling good about your body that could be so fun you know going out and getting new lingerie to highlight your new body and to really celebrate that and, and it can also oh, like, oh sorry good sorry i was gonna say 
and to get fitted properly, right? Because your body changes so much postpartum, you know, your old bras probably aren't going to fit as well anymore. So going out and treating yourself to something new and maybe a little bit sexy, but, you know, even just for yourself, not even for your partner, right? Go ahead, Gina. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I was going to say that too. It's like, it just, you're like, you're in your new body now and it just can help you to really feel confident about yourself again, get mm-hmm. something that makes you feel good. Maybe something you maybe wouldn't get before. And now, you know, it's, it's something you're just like trying out and it could surprise you actually. So worth trying for sure. The nice thing is like there's so many online companies that ship very discreetly as well too. So it's not like you're going to get a package in the mail that says it's a big vibrator, you know, or it's a big wand, you know, like everything's so discreet nowadays that the companies that um, ship them out almost specialize in <laughs> making it very easy and comfortable for you to get these things. And, you know, thank goodness for online shopping because that pandemic has really changed that for everybody and anybody, but um, yeah, yeah. Anybody else have anything else I want to throw in about this before we move on? We're good? All right. <laughs> I had to throw it in at the end. We're going to move on to a really quick Q&A. How to have intimacy without inter- intercourse. So these have actually come from the audience that is out there and uh, some of even my clients just wondering, you know, a couple little questions, but how to have intimacy without intercourse, how to create an intimate relationship with your partner without actually having penetrative sex or penis to vagina sex. So I can jump in just again, from a little bit of a physiological perspective, Um, to be quite honest, penetrative intercourse is not the way that most women will have an orgasm. Um, So I think just an important little throw in there because it doesn't have to be penetrative intercourse in order for you to, to experience that, um, intimacy. And, um, I'm going to let obviously the other women speak to this, particularly Kelly, because she has lots of great ideas for this, but, um, I just think that, you know, taking that penetrative part off the table sometimes creates a lot of relief in that anxiety right? So I don't have to go to this part of it because that part of me is still healing. Um, so, I mean, a great question, where else do we go? What else can we do for that intimacy? I always like to, um, like, even to piggyback on what you're saying, uh, Carrie, it's that sometimes if one person's wanting sex and the other person isn't wanting, wanting sex, when the person wanting sex even wants a hug, then it's like, no, don't come near me because I don't want you is to lead to sex and then I have to reject you and then we're at odds with one another. So it's, so it really is trying to figure out how to remain intimate and close and being transparent and on the same page with where you're at and where your sex life is at as well. But it, I think it really comes down to this deep knowing of one another and being attuned to one another and showing up for one another. And I think that involves spending quality time together, you know, even quality time without talking about baby barf and all the stuff right so it's taking the breaks and just remembering what it was like just to be when it was the two of you um whether that's like even 10 minutes a day but just spending that quality time together and really connecting emotionally but then also not ruling out physical closeness even if sex is off the table yeah i agree that that just 
I know in the moment it might not be easy to do, but just if your partner knows where you're coming from, like you're not, get away from me. I can't, I just, if in advance, sometimes I just, at this time, I just don't feel like I've been, I'm sort of touched out. I'm not feeling great at this time. Um, maybe later might be a little bit better just so that it's not like you're gross. I, it's just that I, I'm not feeling at my best right now. It's not, it's not about you necessarily. And so we have to, and so that I think is, is really important because it can feel, it can feel bad being, you know, rejected and then it can turn into something else and it's not, that's not great. Um, so there's that, but then also intimacy, like you were saying is like connection is part of that. So, you know, just feeling like you're like laughing together or you're just enjoying a little bit of time together. Or you're just like bonding. You could just feel like your, your cup being filled and that's, um, that's, you know, a good way into it. It doesn't necessarily have to be entirely physical, you know, if that's a, a good, um, from my perspective, it's a good, um, form of intimacy. So, yeah. yeah. Even setting like those gentle boundaries and just saying like, yes, I want to be close to you. I want to be intimate with you, but penetrative sex is off the table, you know, just have, again, having those conversations and saying like, I want to hold your hand. I want to cuddle with you. I want to, you know, be held in your arms, like whatever that looks like for you, but just being very open about that, I think is important. I think, I think a lot of it too comes down to communication and just being, being able to say these things, which I think a lot of um, couples uh, partnerships don't necessarily have, especially around this. They're sort of topics that are difficult for people to talk about. Um, I mean, I know from people coming into my office, just discussing parts of the parts of the body that are my passion are difficult to talk about. And so establishing that again, as part of your conversation and saying, you know, we need to talk about these things and I want to talk about it now while we're planning to have a family, or I want to talk about it now while I'm pregnant and say, you know, afterwards, I may not be ready to jump right back into penetrative intercourse. And this is why, you know, these are the changes that are going to happen to my body. And, you know, I have lots of partners who, um, birthing moms who don't want their partner to actually visibly see what's happening at the time of the birth. So the changes that are happening at the, at the, uh, vulva and vagina and, um, you know, for fear that that, you know, I often hear, well, they'll never look at that area again, the same. And it's like, well, we, that needs to be talked about if, if that's a concern, because that in itself is creating a huge level of anxiety. Um, so I just feel like, you know, having the ability to discuss that intimacy before you have children and, and, or, I mean, once you've already had children and you're trying to address it, do, do, um, bring in, you know, I'm, I'm, huge on like diagrams and models and pictures and show your partner like this is here and this is what happened and you know be able to provide that education because I think a lot of partners maybe don't understand what's happening you know they know okay yes I have a baby and the baby comes out of the vagina but there's a whole lot more going on than just the baby coming out of the vagina right so communication is key and getting people to feel more comfortable talking about these things um I mean that's my life's mission (laughs) But there's so many people who still to this day can't use proper vocabulary. You know, it's, yeah. So I think that would be my best advice is returning to intimacy is really 
talking about that return to intimacy, not just jumping in the bed and hoping for the return to intimacy, but let's talk about what does that look like for us? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for you? And what does that look like for my body? What does that look like for your body? I think just the, you know, before we have to dive back in, let's really have a good conversation or many conversations about it. And that in and of itself is incredibly intimate. Yes. To be able to have that conversation with your partner, like that is next level intimacy, mm-hmm. which I don't think a lot of people realize, but hopefully, hopefully they'll listen to this and they'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, going back to a lot of this being seen, being heard kind of things, right? You know, how that can just really make a difference. And I know a lot of couples that kind of restart dating after they've had children, you know, they, they are able to have people that they feel comfortable with watching their littles and maybe can take a couple hours away, you know, a couple times a month and, and just go on a date, you know, spend some time together, maybe try not to talk about the kids, try to talk about adult things again, and just really like reconnect and refine each other and just really Mm -hmm. spending that, that quality time together away from, you know, the distractions of the house. And I think that's really important as well, too, is just to like create that reconnection. And, you know, because you are two adults, you know, even though you're sometimes passing ships in the night and you don't really spend any time together day to day, but, you know, being able to create, you know, those, those relationships, you know, on that off time, I think is so important as well, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We've kind of like covered a couple of the other questions, but what happens if you don't want to have sex again for a really long time? <laughs> if you're like, nope, I am not having another baby. I don't even want to go there. You know, I don't even care about protection, whatever. We are not doing this. What do you guys think about that? I think as long as it's okay in the relationship, that's okay. Like if you are both okay with not having sex for a really long time, like that's okay too. But if it starts to um, cause some relationship discord and bleed into other areas of the relationship, um, then I would suggest reaching out for support, like talk to friends about it or um, connect with a healthcare practitioner that can help you navigate that if you want to eventually have sex again or if it's causing a rupture within the relationship. Like you don't have to navigate it all on your own. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely like getting out there and talking to people about it would be huge. And also, again, looking at exactly what Kelly said, you know, if it's, if it's okay with both partners, amazing. Don't, it's not an issue. But if it is becoming an issue, then kind of stepping back again and examining like, okay, well, why, why don't you want to have sex? Does it hurt? There's a way to fix that. Are you worried about getting pregnant again? there is a way to fix that. And it's not just saying like, oh, just go back on birth control. That's really not the best option, especially if you are trying to breastfeed. You might not want to do that. But then talking to someone about learning more about your cycle, you know, especially if if your cycle has come back, learning how to track that properly is not as hard as it might sound at first. You know, once you get used to that, you can pinpoint exactly when to not have sex so that you don't get pregnant, right? There's a lot of power in understanding that piece about yourself, but Mm -hmm. just digging deeper into like, okay, well, what's really there? Why don't I want to have sex? And going from there. 
And again, it may just be a temporary feeling at that point, which again is totally okay. Um, and it could just be that like, I need, I need my space and time about this. And if, if your partner is, is okay with that and we've discussed that, then okay, but it could just be like how you feel at this very moment. And so we just have to sometimes take a look at that and say, this is not what I want right now. I might feel differently in a few months from now, but right now this is just not um not comfortable for me so no just thinking about it like that too um it's really hard it's really really hard to go through all of this and your emotions are everywhere so you know you have to just understand yourself as Aaron was saying and it's okay to say you know I'm never going to do this again because that's probably how you feel in that moment and you know if if and when that changes or if it doesn't change again if it's not creating difficulty in your relationship then you know communicating with one another staying on course with that if it is then you know that's where if I have those situations come up in my office that is where I will bring Kelly and her team in to to you know unpack where that might be coming from and um also being aware of, you know, is my patient in a state of potential postpartum depression? And then I'm referring back to a family doctor. So you're, you're kind of, I'm watching for all of these things when I'm working with my women who've given birth and, you know, knowing who in my village to say, okay, you know, this would be a, a person that I might like you to think about seeing, perhaps we'll want to go back to the family doctor and discuss this or back to the ob or, you know, it, everything at that point feels like you're never going to do it again because you're, you're so all consumed in a situation where you're like, you know, I remember thinking like, I'm never going to sleep again. I'm never going to eat again. I'm never going to have sex again. I'm never, you know, and, and it's because you just have so many, you just lose sight of everything, right? I'm never going to shower again. Um, you know, and it, 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 it depends, like to feel those things is okay to feel those things. It's if any of those things become an issue where it, you know, you need to, you need to be, not be afraid to dig deeper and, and look for help with those things. For sure. Anybody else want to weigh in? I think that was our last kind of Q and A. You guys covered like the other Q and A's. You pretty much covered all of the, the things that we wanted to talk about. So my dears, this is it. Anybody have any last minute closing remarks, anything you want to say before we sign off for today? We're good. I, I want to oh. say thank you. Sorry, Gina. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had a feeling we were all going to jump on. Um, I just, I thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for helping spread the word about um, such an important topic. Um, I, I absolutely any, any information that we can get out there about these things, just to remind women that they're not alone. And, um, you know, we, there are many of us who have been down this road and through this journey and, um, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to people who are there to help you. There are people who, you know, are there for the sole purpose of helping you navigate your way through this, this current state of life that is a tornado and um, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to those people and, and look for help. Don't do it alone. Never, never, never stay in a space where you feel alone. There's people to help. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say too, but I was just, there's so much support 
now out there a lot more than I remember having uh, with my first. And there's just, there's just something for all of these issues that we're dealing with and, and we shouldn't have to do it alone. And there are um, people to work with who completely, like you're saying, Carrie, understand the journey. Like you go and you explain, you don't even have to explain. They know what's up and just people who can like hear you and see you and know what's going on and can support you through those issues that you're, that you're going through and you, you know, if you're exhausted and you're not in the best place to be able to deal with some of this stuff. So just having support for, you know, your mental health, your physical health, just all of that sleep, all of those things, someone is there to help guide you. So, I mean, make use of all of these amazing people out there. Um, I urge you because it will make the journey a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. I second everything you just said. And I just want to thank you as well, Rebecca. So thanks so much for having me on. Yes. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for getting us all together and for getting this amazing information out there. And yeah, I I completely agree. You know, just find your village. You know, there are so many of us out there. (laughs) We just want to help. So find your village, give yourself time, give yourself compassion and keep the lines of communication open. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I want to thank you guys. Thank you, Carrie, Aaron, Gina, and Kelly. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to jump on and chat with me. This is why I host the Perth Program Support Summit. And then why we also have the podcast is to get the information out there to create these conversations and just really, you know, create that village for everyone as well too right you know that we're not alone and the best part of having it on a podcast is easy to consume because we know mom life is could be a little bit crazy but it's really easy to throw the earbuds in and listen to while you're doing uh chores around the house or while you're nursing a baby you know doing all the things whatever kind of find time that you can to take to yourself thank you so much you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and we are signing off thank you guys thank you